So, we're going to look at God's Word together, and then I'm supposed to save some time at the end of the service for one of our elders to come up. This is 10 years for me as the lead pastor of Redeemer Community Church. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Quite a summer 10 years ago as... Tara, I stepped down from Fellowship Bible Church of Jonesboro, Arkansas in early May, and we moved home with my parents up in Plano. Uh, Macy was four years old, Tara was pregnant with Molly, and we didn't know what would be next for us. But in God's good providence, uh, my resume got passed on to a buddy who passed it on here to Redeemer, and then the summer of August 2008, the whole process uh, went along, and then on August 10th, uh, the church family voted me in. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very glad to be here. Um, I'm very hopeful that, as I prayed for Daniel, um, that whatever fruit has, has come of the last 10 years and in, in my part of that, I'm very hopeful that for the next 10, that um, there would be more. There would be more. More fruit. Uh, say it like that. This last week, I was with a group of guys, a small group of guys in Charleston, South Carolina, and while I was there, something sad happened. Um, I was there because I just began a year-long leadership development coaching group. I'm going to be a part of it, just wanting to be better and to do better with the hopes that we as a church family will be and and do better in this whole idea of, of developing us all into those who joyfully follow Jesus and help others do the same. The, the guys who are part of it, Mac Lake is the one who leads it. Interesting, a guy named Steve Willis is a part of it. He's the, he's the lead pastor at First Baptist Church in uh, Canova, West Virginia, which is right by Huntington, West Virginia. And several years ago, his city was recognized as the fattest city in the United States. And he had begun to see it. He had even begun to talk to his elders about how unhealthy he was, his people were, how many heart attacks. Believe me, I'm not going to preach on gluttony this morning. That's not where this is headed. How, how many people in recent days, had, months, had had heart attacks, how many funerals that he'd done in the last year, and it was a real burden upon him. He began to talk to the elders about it, and they said, Steve, you can't talk about this. And yet, over time, he eventually convinced them, and they said, yeah, you can talk about it, but be nice. Well, he prepared the sermon. That Friday, this study hits all across the country that his city is the fattest in the United States. He had to, as he began to preach that Sunday, he had to tell his folks, I promise you, I've been talking to the elders about this for a long time. Anyway, it, it launched him into the stratosphere. He co-authored the book with uh, Rick Warren. I don't know if some of you see it, The Daniel Plan. Um, he authored another book on the whole issue of being spiritually and physically healthy. He was flown all over the country for this, that, and the other. Um, a, I forget the uh, chef's name, but came to his town, did a reality show, and it won an Emmy. Um, anyway, fascinating guy, and he's part of this group. Another young guy named Justin Carrico from Mayfield, 
Kentucky, a city of 10,000 people. And y'all, he's a tremendous young man and young leader and his passion for the hurting people in his little city is just off the charts. Uh, he planted a handful of years ago Catalyst Church and his vision and what they're trying to do there is awesome. And another guy named Lorenzo Smith, um, he's from Canada, but he's in LA, been, been there for a long, long time, and a few years ago planted a church in, in LA and is trying to, to do a good work there. The sad thing that happened was that we were discussing the importance of being an encouraging leader. Um, just how important it is for leaders to encourage those that they're leading. And he had given us assignment to do beforehand. One of the questions in the assignment was, who has, who's one person who's been a tremendous encouragement to you? And so when we got together, this, this part of the few days together, I said, okay, guys, get out, get out your deal. We're going to talk about this. And we got to that question, and I was the first to jump in because that one was so easy for me to answer. I've had a lot of encouraging people in my life, most recently Scott Smith, and he's the one that I use. Some of you all know Scott and his wife Kelly. They've been in our church for the last several years. He was the offensive coordinator at Houston Baptist University. Just recently they left and he's now the head coach at Legacy Christian Academy up in Frisco. It was a sad day when I got that call from him. But Scott, so encouraging to me. Almost every Sunday after I'd preach and come down, Scott would come up and say, good preaching. Keep it up. Good preaching. And then often he would send me text messages just out of nowhere. Praying for you. You're doing a good job. Keep it up. Don't quit, that kind of stuff. Justin then went, and he said, you know what? I can't think of anyone in particular. No one person has been a great encouragement to me, but, you know, folks that I've discipled or built my life into, they'll send me texts here and there just encouraging me about the influence that I had in their life, and that's really good. Um, Steve, this, um, we'll call him the diet plan guy, he said, my mom and daddy were so encouraging to me and still are to this day. He said, I've never had any problems with confidence just because my dad and my mom have just always spoken life into me. And then Lorenzo. He goes, you know, um, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody that's been encouraging to me. And it, it kind of sat there. And I kind of looked into his eyes and I said, wait, I said, okay. I said, Lorenzo, but Justin said that same thing, but he said he, he has people that'll shoot him texts or whatever. Do you have that kind of encouragement? And he said, no. And he, I said, so you don't have anybody encouraging you? And the other guys kind of jumped in too. And he said, no, I, I guess I really don't. And he tried to put on a good face. He said, you know, I, it doesn't really matter, you know, blah, blah. And we said, no, it does matter. And I just felt compelled in that moment. I said, Lorenzo, I said, I've known you for 24 hours. And you and I, I he was riding with me back to the hotels and stuff like that. And I said, brother, I know you're going through a hard time. I said, I know it's hard to plant a church. I did that a long time ago. And I know it's hard to lead a church. And he's got a four-year-old daughter who's got Down syndrome. 
and he's had his own very serious health problems over the last few years. I said, brother, you are going through the ringer. And yet, man, your love for your church, is it just beams out of you. Your desire to help your people grow in their relationship with Jesus and be faithful to him, it, it, be encouraged. After I did that, one of the other guys jumped in and said, yeah, man. And he kind of looked at me and said, thanks, guys. He's not the only one. He definitely needed some encouragement. It's sad when someone doesn't receive any. But he's not the only one who could use some encouragement. And I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I don't want you to sit there and start reflecting upon yourself and say, yeah, I need some encouragement. Maybe that's a different sermon for a different day or, may, or maybe not. But what I want you to try and feel this morning is to look around. And think maybe the men, women in this room need some encouragement. None of us would have ever thought it about Lorenzo. This is a, this is a cool dude. Faithful. He's, he's, he's planning a church in, in L.A. And you're thinking, yeah, I can imagine what kind of church that is. No, it ain't. He's all in with Jesus. And he's cool, and he's nice, and he's fun. And you'd have thought, surely. But he said, no, I can't think of anybody that encourages me. Well, okay, but you get some text messages from, no. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Last week we finished up the next section in Acts. We'll get back to it in a couple or a few weeks. We're going to look at this this morning. We'll have kind of our state of the church next Sunday. I'm going to show you a verse in Hebrews chapter 3. I want to begin like this, that sin aims to harden everyone in this room. Again, I'm not talking, I don't want you to necessarily think about how sin is trying to harden you. But I want you to, if you can, just to look around and think to yourself, sin is trying to harden all of my brothers and sisters in this room. In chapter 3, verse 13. Let's start in verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What was going on here, as best as I can tell, is that this was a group of people, Jewish people, who had heard the gospel and who had put their faith in Jesus Christ and had, had formed a church. They, most likely this is written, we don't know who the author was, but to a local a church, a body of believers, most of them Jewish, 
who had come out of Judaism and, and believed in Jesus as Messiah. But because of that, they were beginning to suffer greatly for it. Persecution. Maligned. Ostracized by family, by friends, by society, by, by culture. Um, apparently some of them had been thrown into prison. The um, maybe had not gotten as physical as it could have later in the book. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And so that's a clue maybe that, that they hadn't begun to suffer physical persecution at this point. But it was enough that some of them were beginning to think about going back to the old ways of Judaism, of, of being done with Jesus, of saying, it ain't worth it following him. And in the process of that, having their heart hardened towards the goodness of God, the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus. Maybe beginning to think, God is not good. If he was, this wouldn't be happening to me. Jesus can't be worth it, or else this wouldn't be happening to me. Life was so much easier for me back in the old ways under Judaism. And beginning to have their heart hardened in such a way that they, they would think so little of Jesus that the author would call it stomping underfoot the blood of Jesus. Thinking of Jesus and his sacrifice upon the cross as worthless. In a phrase, turning their back on Jesus and just going back to the old ways. And the whole book is designed to encourage, don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Over and over and over again. Persevere. Don't quit. Stay at it. And so the author is, he's bringing his own word to bear upon it. He calls it later um, his brief word of exhortation. Say, so yeah, 13 chapters worth of a brief word. He's encouraging, I think, in verse 12 to, to kind of handle it themselves, that there's this sense of take heart, brethren, that there be not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Most of the commentators are taking that as kind of a, you, you take care of your own soul, you watch after your own soul. But then verse 13, he's calling upon the church family to take care of one another. We sang it last week, I think it was, but still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Satan, our ancient foe, is after you, yes, but he's after the people sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you. He's trying to deceive them. Such that their hearts would be hardened to such an extent that they would say, no more. But, we've got to move fast, right now they're still in the game. 
but the end draws near. You hear me say it often as I'm encouraging us. If you're still breathing, you're still in the game, right? Well, take a look around. If they're still breathing, they're still in the game. The men and women sitting around you, in front of you, behind you, across the room, Satan is out to get them, to deceive them. And his long-term hope would be such to harden their hearts that they would eventually just give up and quit. But they're still breathing. They're still in the game. That's why in verse 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There's a sense in, in which this entire period of time between the first and second coming of Jesus is today. It's a day of opportunity. It's a day to trust in Jesus. It's a day to hold on to Jesus. It's a day to persevere in Jesus. Today, hang tight. Don't quit. Keep following him. Keep repenting. Keep getting up. But the end draws near. You see it at the end of verse 6. We hold fast our confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. In verse 14, we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. And the end in the book of Hebrews, of course, is the day of judgment. Between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus is today, a day of of opportunity to follow Christ and stay faithful to Christ and persevere in Christ. But the end is coming. And so all along the book of Hebrews are these warnings to persevere. Now, in light of that, encourage one another day after day. Encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be heartened, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That word encourage is parakaleo. Kaleo is to call, para alongside of. It's to, to come alongside someone. Some translations have it exhort one another. Mine has it encourage one another. The idea maybe is to strengthen one another. Its role, I think, in the context is to sustain others, to strengthen others. To put wind in another's sails. Because following Jesus can be hard sometimes. And life can be hard sometimes. And Satan can work his craft in any and every one of our hearts. And try to deceive us and eventually harden us to where we would give up and quit. 
And so to sustain, to strengthen, to, to put wind in another's sails, to build up someone's faith, to keep them going, encourage one another. Encourage one another. And he says, day after day, or daily. I wonder why he put it in there. He, you know, he could have simply just said, encourage one another as long as it's still called today. But he added that. Daily. Maybe for two reasons. I think one of them certainly stands out. Because we need it daily. I was studying for this earlier this week and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply this. And I sent out a text to just a handful of buddies. It was essentially one of these texts of, hey, brothers, fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. Keep repenting. Keep going back to Jesus. Keep loving your wives. Keep loving your kids. Don't quit. Finish strong. Something like that. And one of the guys texted back, and he's, oh, no, who crashed and burned? All right? He says, I usually get these kind of texts when somebody crashed and burned. And I texted, I quickly texted, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to, to encourage us to, to, to stay at it in this fight of faith. And another one of the guys texted back and he said, I need constant reminders. Constant. Not just daily, but just constant. Don't quit. Stay at it. Fight the good fight. Keep repenting. Keep going back to Jesus. I need constant reminders. So do the men and women sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, across the room. My buddy Lorenzo needs it. You need it, I know. I need it. But so does everybody in this church family. Satan is out to get every one of us. Another reason maybe he says daily, day after day, is not so much that, well, just as much as that person needs it, so too do we need to be reminded to give it. That God wants this to be embedded, if you will, into our natures. That we would be an encouraging and exhorting kind of folk with each other. One commentator said it like this. In the past, some church members have placed far too much responsibility on the shoulders of their ministers. And I'm not saying you all do. I'm limiting themselves mainly to church attendance as relaxed and appreciative passengers. All right? But one needs to encourage the exercise of corporate responsibility. Not all are destined for the preaching role. And then he puts mercifully. 
But in the local church, all must accept a pastoral role. The word translated exhort, parakaleo, is the word of strong encouragement. It's the word of the confident, heartening captain before battle. All right, guys, we're going into battle. Get ready. Stay strong. Don't quit. Move ahead. It's often used in secular Greek literature of the naval or military commander putting strength into his sailors or soldiers. And then he says, believers are expected to exercise a daily cheering minister to other Christians. A handful of us, maybe a bunch of you all, been through the old um, quest for authentic manhood curriculum that Robert Lewis and Fellowship Bible Church of Little Rock put out years ago. One of the key themes throughout the quest for authentic manhood was that guys, men, need cheerleaders. You know, a lot of us played ball in high school, and there were cheerleaders on us. Yay, go, yay. And then maybe we went and played a little in college, and there were cheerleaders. Yay, go, go. And then you get out of that. You quit playing ball in high school or whatever, and then there's no more cheerleaders ever. There's nobody saying, yay, good job. Keep going. Don't quit. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? It's just gone. And then we start just slugging it out. Day after day, week after week, month, year after year. Seeking to be faithful. As followers of Jesus, as husbands, as dads, as workers, as churchmen. as And nobody. Come on. Keep it up. It just doesn't apply to men. It's for women as well. It's for all of us. And so, brothers and sisters, note, this is not a suggestion. This is not for the encouraging types among us. It's not for those merely who have the gift of exhortation. I'll just leave that to somebody else. This is for every one of us to take note that the brothers and sisters around me are in a fight and that they need me. They need you to encourage them strengthen them, to speak life into them. And so quickly, and turn it over to Aaron, who will you encourage this week? Just just take this and go, okay, I'm going to apply that text this week. Who will you encourage? And briefly, just some practical stuff on encouragement. It helps if it's sincere. Right? Rather than just flattery. Secondly, it helps if it's specific. There's a difference between acknowledgement and encouragement, I think. Acknowledgement is, hey, thanks 
Thanks. Encouragement is, hey, thank you so much for the way that you interacted with my friend that I brought to church. And you were, you were so welcoming and so kind. Thank you for that. So that, that just goes a little bit further into specific that gives life. Hey, thank you so much for the way that you serve in our kids' ministry. I walked by and I saw you down sitting on your bottom playing with those little kids, just engaging with them. Thank you. Hey, I know you're going through a hard time, man. But I saw you talking to your wife and just being so kind to her and sweet with her. Way to go, brother. Keep it up. Sincere, specific. That's good enough. Proverbs 25, verse 11, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. A word spoken. That's what encouragement is. Finally, and maybe you knew this was coming, maybe you didn't. It's that time of year. Join a community group. Listen, I'm doing this in faith. Because I don't know if we have enough leaders right now. Our community groups are, are, are fairly full right now, as they are. But I'm hoping that you will deluge me with, I'd love to be in a community group, and just force us to lean into God and say, okay, God, we need some leaders for all of these folks. But let's, let's pass that by. You say, Mitch, I don't need to be in a community group. Listen, I've, I've been following Jesus for years, and yeah, life is hard, and life gets difficult, and I know Satan's out to get me, but you know what? I, I, I'm doing good. I'm I plan on doing good. I'm, my track record is that I've been doing good for decades, and so I'm going to keep doing good until the very end. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. You've persevered so far, and you're probably going to persevere to the end. You're right. but it ain't always about you. Maybe it's about being in that group so that when you're going around the circle and Lorenzo goes, I don't have anybody encouraging me. You're there to hear it and you're there to minister to him or to her. Because maybe they're going through a hard time and you'd have never known it because here we sit in rows. But in group, you sit in a circle. But you never knew that he was without a job for the last six months. You never knew that she was going through cancer. You never knew that he lost his dad a month ago. You would have never known it. You never knew that their marriage is falling apart. 
but they sit right in front of you on Sundays, maybe even right next to you. And you're doing fine, and I believe it. And you will do fine. I believe it. But are you putting yourself in a position to encourage somebody else who Satan is after to try and harden them? Mitch, do I have to get in a group to do that? No. No. Groups are not some magic place. But they are the place in our, our piece of the strategy. Worship gatherings, discipleship groups, where you go from large groups sitting in rows to smaller groups sitting in a circle. Large group where only one guy does all the talking. Smaller group where everybody's doing some talking. And you can be ministered to. I don't need to be ministered to. Well, you do, but I'll go with you. But you get a chance to minister. One of the guys was telling us, Mac was telling us a story. And uh, it, was, it was with another leader he was working with. And um, he said, hey, man, how do you all do discipleship? How do, you, how do you build followers of Jesus? And he said, two DNA. Two DNA. What do you mean? Two DNA. What do you mean? Where two or more are gathered, DNA, D divine revelation we get together and we talk about divine revelation what he meant by that was in your reading of the bible this week what did god reveal to you about himself and what he's calling you to be and do not some weird divine revelation we're talking about in light of my time with god this week what did i learn in we nurture one another's souls we get together and we talk about what's God teaching me and how can I help you? What are you going through? What's happening in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? And then A, um, apostolic action. Apostolic, that idea of moving out. The idea of being a messenger, a sent one. What'd you do this week to be a blessing to somebody else for Jesus' sake? And he goes, man, when I heard him explain that, I said, two DNA. Sounds good to me. In nurture one another's souls. Groups gives you an opportunity to do that. Friends, um, I said, hold on to your cards. If you're new to Redeemer, we'd love for you to fill out that connecting piece of it. If, if you have a prayer request or a praise, we'd love for you, on the, any and all of us, on the other side to put that. And then if you're, if you're just interested, where you say, I'm ready, I, yeah, I, I'd love to be in a community group if it can happen. 
Um, community groups are made up of, of men and women who get together on a regular basis in a home, in a circle, in a living room, around a kitchen table. And um, sometimes they'll split off. The ladies will do this and the men will do this. Some, they meet in different rhythms and that kind of thing. But if you'd like to be a part of that, write on that card, community group. Or I think there's a place I'm interested in being in a community group. Just check that. And uh, we'd love to do our best to get you in a group. Let me pray. I'll turn it over to Aaron Doe, and then we'll pass the baskets at the very, very end. Father in heaven, would you help us to be an encouraging church to one another, a church family that spurs one another on to love and good deeds, that encourages one another day by day, and that, God, you would use this ministry to each other just to, to breathe life into our souls and to keep us going in faithfulness to Jesus. And we'll pray it in his name. Amen.